Welcome back to Experts Only. I'm your host, John Powers. I'm the co-founder of Clean Capital and serve as President Obama's Chief Sustainability Officer. On this podcast, we explore solutions to climate change by talking to industry leaders about the intersection of energy, innovation, and finance. You can get more episodes at cleancapital.com. Jigger, great to see you here in Las Vegas. So good to see you. I don't think I've ever had one of these headsets on. I feel like Chris Berman on ESPN. <laughs> I'm like, going, 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 gone. As a Bills fan, I'm going to make no football references today <laughs> after last night's football game. Um, <laughs> one exciting time to be out here with record-breaking numbers of folks attending You know the Super Bowl of, I said no football references, but the Super, <laughs> the Super Bowl of our industry conference. You know, I wanted to, you've been really around incubating this industry from when it started. You know, would love to get your view of sort of where are we today? Like where, from when you first decided to get into this space and really helping to create the platforms that have really got us to uh, uh, the momentum that we have built. And we'll talk more about some of that stuff in a minute. Um, you know, where do you see us as an industry today? Well, you know, I think when we started, the whole point of our work was to prove that we could be something one day, right? That like our technology could get cheap enough that we could actually be material to the grid. We were like 0.001% or whatever. And then when we entered the 2010s, it was really more like, hey, we've actually gotten our costs down. Where's the respect? Right. Right? When are we going to get some of that? Right. And I think this is what respect looks like, right? This is look. This is 40,000 people. Um, you're talking about all the biggest investors in the country that are here. You're talking about, you know, federal government officials. You're talking about all sorts of folks here. And ultimately, what they expect out of our industry is to continue to add, you know, 60 to 70 percent of all new capacity going on the grid every single year is coming from solar in this country. That's respect. That's respect. That's respect. And that's how we're going to solve the climate crisis. That's right. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of some of the things that you're doing today, you know, you and I talked years ago when I was serving in the White House and we talked about public service and, you know, someday there was going to be a role that was perfect for you. Uh, You are in that role today and it's helping to shepherd the industry forward in an incredible way. Can you talk first a little bit about your just your job, like what are you doing, and then just the successes of that you guys have have already taken just in the first few years of this administration, yeah. putting real dollars to work, getting projects and manufacturing and other things in the ground that are helping our industry. Well, thank you, my brother. I, look, I think where we are is that you know the loan programs office uh, has been around for a while. Yeah. It obviously was made famous with uh, the loan that we made with Tesla, the we made with Ford, right? We did the first 500 megawatt uh, solar uh, projects in the U.S., transmission, geothermal, wind. Now, I think the question becomes like, you know, how do we help the next sort of 17 sectors? And the first piece of that was gaining their trust. Yeah. You know, after, you know, a lot of the scandals and whatever else, like, you know, folks weren't sure that they wanted to use our money. They weren't sure whether it yeah. was going to be safe whether they're going to be treated fairly. I think we've overcome that now. And now we've got $145 billion Amazing. of loan requests, uh, you know, an additional $10 billion last month alone. And so we got about 157 applications across all of the states, and we've got a couple of U.S. territories, right? And so yeah. we're now in a place where people want to work with us. 
Now we've got a bunch of data that's coming off of that. Can I pause you for one second? I want to give you credit for you putting your brand on that because that was critical in building the trust, right? If there would have been, uh, and and we've worked with some amazing bureaucrats, but you brought a level of credibility back to the office uh, after years of it, unfortunately, being in a tough position. And that brand has helped attract folks back to the room. So I just want to give you props because people look at look at the office and they see the success that you are helping to bring, but because they trust you, right? And they trust putting their applications in. They trust where your vision is. And of course, this has all been amplified by the IRA and the other things the administration Well, for sure. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And we certainly keep trying to earn that trust every day. But, I, you know, I think one of the challenges I'd say that we have is that the ecosystem is not really um, well-functioning, right? Yeah. So when folks want to use our loans... Like, they don't just have somebody they can pay, you know, as a consultant to right. fill out the, the paperwork right, and right. get through, right? And right. so it's a, lot of, it's a lot of effort. But, you know, when I walk the floor here, you know, we see, I don't know, like 20 or so booths upstairs where people are announcing big manufacturing plants coming back to the United States. Yeah, it's amazing. That's a big deal. That's the IRA. And then all, all those folks are coming through the loan programs office, right, to get debt uh, yeah. to support their their efforts. And, but the other piece is that, you know, you look at that Hestia loan that we announced, right? We now have an ability to help the residential solar marketplace actually serve low-income customers and folks in Puerto Rico, both of whom, you know, Wall Street basically said, you know, weren't worth serving because right. they were too much risk. We showed with DOE data that actually there weren't too much risk and that people pay back their loans. Yeah. And so now they can increase the percentage of Puerto Rico and low income from 3% of the portfolio up to 20% of the portfolio. And that's going to be critical as we continue to like grow this industry. Yeah. We've got to serve everybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's really interesting about a lot of the alumni of the Obama administration and others that came in to serve in this round is you had folks that had gone out into the private sector, had cut their teeth in, in understanding where the markets are going. And then, you know, last summer when the IRA did come through, and, and candidly, I think across the industry, no one expected it. And it was an amazing opportunity that we should all be celebrating. But it was built around a phenomenal checklist of stuff that we needed to help bring and catalyze more private investment. Yeah. So when you're thinking about the loans that you guys are looking at, you know, I think people people think about government money and it's, oh, you know, they're going to put the public money and it's going to be, no, you guys are really catalyzing the private stuff. Can you give an example or two outside of the one you just did of sort of where you see really the next opportunity for private capital to come on top of the investments that you're making? So when you think about private sector capital, uh, there's a ton of it, right? I mean, right. obviously we had a lot of it in 2021, right. <laughs> a little too much maybe. Yeah. And then we had some 2022. It's going to cooled off a little bit, but there's a lot of equity to go into space. The problem is you can't really make equity returns without having debt available. Right. And for a lot of these projects, uh, debt slow or really expensive, right? Yeah. So when you think about, for instance, there's a whole bunch of electric vehicle fleets that are going in to serve Uber, Lyft, Instacart, DoorDash drivers, et cetera. Yeah. And, you know, those are the ones you want to convert to electric because they're driving 40,000 miles a year. Right. Right. And right. so, but, you know, but the collateral curve on them are really weak. So when you go to Kelly Blue Book, a lot of them are saying, we don't think this car is going to be worth very much in five years, right? Yeah. And so they're not provided um, good quality uh, financing options without someone like us coming in, yeah. right? And so so then the equity is like, well, I don't want to own the whole car. I was expecting 80% of it to come from debt, and yeah. then I was going to put in 20%. So, so a lot of these things get, um, you know, like sort of left 
um, on the launching pad because the equity is waiting for debt to come in, right? Yeah. I think you see the same thing um, around uh, next generation hydrogen projects, right? Yep. Where a lot of folks are saying, look, these electrolyzers have been around for a long time, but they've been upgraded, right? right? We need to figure out how to pair these wind and solar projects with hydrogen, figure out the pipeline, how do you get the hydrogen to who wants to buy it? Yeah. And folks are nervous, right? And so yeah. they're saying, well, who's gonna come in with debt? That's gonna be us, right? And so when you think about even like long duration energy storage, with a Texas heat dome, um, you know, the two to three hour batteries didn't work, right? right. They were fine, they, they did okay, but they actually needed to be six to 10 hours to really meet the needs of the state. Yeah. And they were only two to three hours. And so we gave, you know, conditional commitment to EOS in Turtle Creek, Pennsylvania. Those guys are using zinc halide, you know, technology, and that technology's been around for 10 years, right? GE, right. we looked at it, Siemens looked at it. So everybody knows that it works. now. You know, like with lithium-ion batteries, like they got to scale up 10, 15x to get their cost down. Right. Right. But we need long-duration energy storage if solar and wind is going to continue to grow as a percentage of the overall market. Right. Yeah. And so we're doing that too. So I think when you look across the spectrum, the equity investors are bought in. They really believe in these stories. Absolutely. But they need to know that debt is going to show up, otherwise they can't make their rate of returns. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think for all of us in the market, just even in the vanilla solar stuff that we're doing, the debt markets have changed wildly in the last year. Yeah. And understanding you know, how we can communicate the even out to developers so they recognize where the compression is moving forward. So if you looked at a gap of, you know, now that you've got a really strong pipeline of stuff coming in, is there, you know, you and I talked a little bit about the, the sort of commercial industrial middle market they're, space. Yeah, yesterday. they're nowhere. We gotta, we gotta get them there, right? I yeah. mean, you and I both know that when you look at residential, you know, 20% of all the homes who have solar on them got them in the last year. Right. Right. 20%. Yeah. But like residential solar is like five times bigger than CNI solar. Right. I don't know what's going on. Right. I mean, look, I love residential solar, but rooftop CNI solar comes in at almost the same cost as utility scale solar. Right. Right. And you save the transmission upgrades, the distribution upgrades, and the interconnection queue costs. Right. Yep. The reason that people aren't doing it is because you've got you know all sorts of issues around CNI for whatever reason is not allowed to ever lose money, right? They want an investment grade credit. They only yeah. want Walmart rooftops, but most of the rooftops are owned by real estate investment trusts, right? Right? Who have bankruptable LLCs, right. but they're full. I mean, and you guys are filling them up with all your solar yeah, panels, exactly. and so they're full, right? So when you look at residential financing, residential financing is done on a portfolio basis, where you plan for some of the portfolio to fail every single year. Yep. Commercial industrial can be funded the exact same way, but it's not today. Right. And so we need to basically GIS map the country, which Google I'm sure has already done. Yep. And then we just gotta say, you got a perfect roof, we're putting solar on there. And we're, we just need to start blanketing all those big roofs with solar panels on them. And then when you're there, you put like reflective roof coating in there, you put some bifacial panels in there. Yeah. So you get more output. I think we have all the technology here, but I think that for whatever reason, people have been focused a lot more on utility scale and residential. So we have a big hole in our applications yeah. in CNI Solar. And for, for, for those that are not familiar with the process, because I think uh, there's a lot of companies out there that would love to get involved, but you know, I think they get scared of just entering the process. Can you talk for a second about what that process looks like on the application side? Yeah, so basically, um, you know, we've got almost 50 people now that work for us in our outreach and business development group. Wow. And they talk to, I think, over a thousand companies so far. And so you call them up, that's all it is. Yeah. And you say, here's what I want to do. 
and they'll tell you pretty quickly whether it's something that works within our statute or yeah. whether you know it just doesn't it's not legal for us to get involved and so we can tell you pretty quickly like hey this is worth spending time on or yeah. if you make these three changes then it probably would qualify but the way you presented it it won't qualify right, right? right, right. so that process is pretty fast and almost all the people who work for us are former executives, right? So they're former people that would have applied to the office. So yeah. they feel your pain, right? Yeah. And then they ask you to fill out a part one application. No one comes in to the loan programs office without an invite. So when I say we have 157 applications seeking over $145 billion, those are people that we invited to apply, right? Right. And then it's, you know, whatever it is. It's 100 hours worth of work. You put in the part one application. We then say, yeah, everything you told us verbally checks out. Yeah. And then, then you go into full due diligence, right? Then you go into part two, put a data room together. It's exactly the same as a commercial debt process. Yeah. And it's like eight to nine months, yeah. right? To get due diligence and get through the process. So, you know, it's not, it's not easier than a commercial bank. Yeah. But I don't think it's harder either. And it's got better terms these days. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> so one of the things that I think, you know, you guys are, have recently put out a report around virtual power plants. And, you know, I think one of the most exciting things about the industry today is you have an alignment of policy, technology, and finance in a way that those of us that are becoming, even in the DG space, you know, we, we can begin to create virtual power plants and begin to message the concept of virtual power plants. For those folks that are not as familiar with the idea, first of all, could you just define that a little bit in the market opportunity around VPPs that the, the report defines? Yeah, a virtual power plant is really just a collection of assets, right? Right. Electric vehicles, backup batteries, uh, thermostats, right? Right. Water heaters that are basically configured such that they can actually provide, uh, you know, valuable services to the grid. Right. Right. Whether it's frequency regulation, voltage, right? Energy, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I think what's different today than what um, you and I experienced in like, let's say 2019. Yeah. Is that the electric utilities were unsure whether they really needed this service to be able to you know, provide the resiliency and reliability. Yeah. Um, but I think after a lot of these superstorms, a lot of these heat domes, polar vortex, but also real load growth. I mean, they are now fielding megawatts of interconnection every week yeah. for electric vehicles, right. Right? EV chargers. Right. But now, you know, because of the bipartisan infrastructure law and the Inflation Reduction Act, you now have a, a place where you have gigawatts and gigawatts of new load from manufacturing facilities, right? right? And remember, utilities have an obligation to support economic development in their right. community. Right. They can't just say, well, you know, it's going to be three or four years or else, you know, before you get interconnected. So, whereas they were... Even though some of them are. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> they're, they're trying. Yeah. But like, whereas they were shy, I'd say, you know, four years ago, I think we buried the hatchet with the utility companies and yeah. they're now coming to this industry and saying, we need you. Yeah. There is no other way to build something fast than with you guys. We need your technology. We need your expertise. And frankly, we need your people power, right, to yeah. actually be able to get this stuff done. And so I think that people are still playing off the 2019 playbook. And I they're agree. afraid to do bold things with utilities, even though, those, even though those utilities are actually, they've come around. And that's part of what this liftoff report is about, right? It's not official DOE strategy and policy. It does describe the 20 plus programs that we already do. But what it really reflects is the 200 interviews that you know, my colleague Jen Downing did to like figure out what, what is the status of the marketplace? Yeah. What are investors investing in? Where are the utilities? Where are the consumers? Where's everybody? And it turns out the regulators, the utilities have never been more 
excited about getting this stuff deployed. And so part of what our message is here is that you're no longer the DG Soul industry. Right. You're now the VPP industry. Yeah, I agree. I mean, one of the challenges, and we, I'll say this, my, put my clean capital hat on, is you know for, for a decade, folks have focused on a technology or two, right? Yeah. Solar pressure. Now you have to look at this holistic play and how do you underwrite that? And I think this report really helps shine a light on taking those steps forward. And I agree with you 100%, this is sort of where the market's going and the opportunity for those of us that can get ahead of it and finance these things in a way that's unique is gonna be incredibly important uh, moving forward. I do wanna, without um, working off the report for a second, I wanna go back to the IRA and the bipartisan infrastructure bill. And, yeah. You know, we talked about this offline in the past, this is a monumental generational piece of legislation that got done yeah. in a marriage between those two pieces of legislation, including the CHIPS Act. It's putting incredible dollars to work on multiple technologies, on manufacturing and deployment, the work you're doing. And there's folks in the industry that look at it like, well, only if it does this and this. I think there needs to be a realization like there's, we're not getting another chance here. This is, this is what we have, which is really There are really a lot sad. of needy people in this industry. <laughs> Lord almighty. People come to me going like, hey, Jigger, can you call up your, like, your senator friend and have this thing yeah. change for me? No, I cannot. But, you know, look, I think that in general, what you're saying is true, right? So we failed to pass Waxer Market. Right. Right? In 2008. And I think largely we failed because it was an environmental and clean tech industry only effort. Right. This effort passed because labor and um, justice communities, uh, you know, help shape the bill. Right. Right. And I think that the solar industry needs to recognize that the only way that these uh, incentives become durable is if we're delivering on labor and we're delivering on justice. Right. I, I feel like people are like, well, now that I got mine, I'm just going to do what I need to do over the next two years. And that's fine. But you know that we have elections all the time. Yep. Right. And the way this stuff works is if you want durable pro progress, then those small towns that are currently fighting solar need to see that there's something in it for them. Absolutely. Right. And all these like places that have um, old industrial plants, which are now being converted into a solar manufacturing plant, needs to know that folks are doing the reach out to make sure that folks who didn't know that they could get a job in that plant are going to get a job in that plant, right? And so I think when you think about the opportunity here is that the solar industry is going from this moniker of being alternative energy right. to becoming mainstream energy. A mainstream energy has the responsibility of actually doing all of these things. And so I feel like for whatever reason that message hasn't gone through to the solar industry yet. Yeah. But it will, right? I mean, I think we are going to be deploying... Um, hundreds of billions of dollars into these new manufacturing facilities for batteries, solar, for, you know, I mean, I saw some of the inverter manufacturers are doing stuff here. Yeah. Next Tracker did their big announcement here in Vegas. I think when you think about what's happening here, it's truly transformational, as you suggested. But to keep it going, I think people need to think more about the entire country and what we need than yeah. just their company. And when we're seeing projects on coal mines in West Virginia these in days. Kentucky. We just cut the largest uh, solar array in Alaska just yeah. last week. And we've got 200 megawatts more behind it. It's amazing. There, which is incredible. So the one thing, and I know you can't say this working at DOE, so I will say it to the folks in the industry, is that while that legislation has been passed, the fight is far from over. And we all need to get active in the fight. You know, it wasn't j that long ago with the spring when uh, the MAGA Republicans tried to turn this IRA into Obamacare and undercut stuff around the CRA. We have to go and fight and tell our story. 
both at the national level, which I think you're doing so well, but also at the local level. So it's, in, it's on all of us to tell those stories and bring the stakeholders into these conversations so they know about the success that we're having and the jobs are and, and there's just so much success. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little tired of all this winning. <laughs> it's a good problem for us to have. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's an exciting conference we're at. There's a lot of amazing things going on. I want to, for a second, just talk about public service because it is something that, you know, folks in the industry, some of them in and out, you know, you've got your team from DOE here who are incredible. If you could go back to the day before you started at DOE and give yourself just a piece of advice leading before you walked in the building, now that you've been in there for a while, what piece of advice would you give yourself? You know, I... Uh I was lucky because I knew what I was getting myself into because I had you. Yeah. And then also my wife, who you know is a senior executive service yeah. in the, at the State Department. So, so I was lucky from that perspective. But I think the one thing um, that you know, I think people just they default them way into it is that you're always asking other people to do stuff for you instead right. of just like figuring out what you can do for other people. And, you know, I think when I came in, I was sort of like, how's the rest of the government going to help me right. like, <laughs> fix LPL, right? And ultimately, no, it's on us to, like, actually show them that we were able to manage the risk, that we were able to, like, bring all these people in. And frankly, the reception's been extraordinary from throughout government. But I yeah. think that mindset shift around, look, you're actually serving, right? right. Like, right. You know, you're not doing them a favor. They're doing you a favor. Let's figure out how we can all give and how we can all, like, contribute. And, you know, frankly, it's been infectious. I mean, I've, the thing that's really been gratifying for me is that we've been able to get over 75 senior executives from the private sector to join us right. at the loan programs office, right? In outreach business development, in the origination team, um, you know, but also in the strategy team. I think when you look at, you know, Jen's background and, you know, her, yeah. like, leading the effort on the virtual power plant report, like, I mean, there's no way that we could have gotten that done without, you know, people of her expertise and quality, like, deciding that, this was a jump that she wanted yeah. to make, right? And so, so that's gratifying, right? To have that many different uh, people decide, you know, like, you know, Jamie Nolan, like, yeah. had a great practice. And I was like, no, you got to come back. And, you know, she's been <laughs> extraordinary, right? So, like, I just think having all those people come back is a big deal, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, you can't ask for more than that. So how do we take the success that's been, been moving forward uh, and ensure that it is sort of stable with future administrations, right? And, and how we, in, which I think to me is taking those success stories and trying to tell them in a bipartisan way, back to the Hill, which is very difficult. You live in Washington. Uh, I got out of there for a reason, but it is not a very bipartisan place in many places. Like how can we help you tell the success stories uh, so that this becomes, continue to, to become a success story going forward? Well, I think the first thing is, is that we have to be intentional about creating success stories. Yeah. Um, I think in general, you know, folks are just like, um, just hiring because they got a lot of open positions and they want to hire. Yeah. But I think we got to be intentional to like go after folks who, you know, we didn't advertise jobs to in the past and making sure that those folks yeah. know that these, these careers are amazing and right. you know bringing in other folks that so we our industry looks like America right right um, but I think the other piece of it is that you know I think as we continue to um, morph ourselves from the solar industry right to right. the virtual power plant industry well now you like have way more reasons for people to love you right 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 like I mean the virtual power industry power plant industry is like being fully embraced by the regulators in Texas. Yeah. They're being fully you know, embraced by all the folks in North Carolina, right? All these states 
are saying, we want to be like, you know, on the cutting edge of this stuff, right? Yeah. And so I think the solar industry is super important. And frankly, I think it's still going to continue to be where we get a lot of our new generation from over the next decade. Yeah. But at the same time, I think all these other features, dispatchability and all these other pieces, is what I think makes us more um, interesting and more credible to all the different audiences. And so yeah. I think we just got to make sure we're embracing all of it. Well, Jigger, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being out here in Las Vegas with us. Thank you to the sponsors. Thank you to Nico and the Suncast team, as always, for putting together an awesome conversation here at RE+. Uh, any, any parting words of advice? Going, 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 <laughs> gone. Thanks, now, everybody. I love this headset. It's extraordinary. <laughs> it is pretty amazing. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much.